Alright, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 14. Thank you yet again, everyone, for joining us on our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of professional wrestling's greatest creation of all time. We appreciate you coming in for this next round of Dead Man Talking. I am Alex Dorio, your host here for the ride, joined along with my co-host and tag team partner. He is a uh, he is Georgia's greatest tax cheat himself, Travis White. How you doing there, buddy? I'm great, man. I'm my secrets away. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Speaking of that, I, mean, I can't wait to get into this episode and hear just how much you hate IRS. If you left it to that cliffhanger oh. last week. Erwin R- Arshyster. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. And those of you listening, we have not discussed this beforehand. We don't have much of a production meeting. We just go. So. <laughs> we do. Excited to hear about your hatred for the million, I mean the uh, IRS. So, yeah. well, we'll jump into that in just a second. We are here uh, at Royal Rumble 1995. We're going through every pay-per-view match in the Undertaker's career. Uh, we appreciate everybody joining us uh, along for the ride, along on this journey. We've had some of our biggest uh, listener numbers the past couple weeks, so we do appreciate you. If you're new here, uh, we definitely. Uh, are glad that you're listening. Hope you enjoy it. We'd love to hear your feedback and all that stuff. And thank you for joining it along with us. Uh, we're excited yeah. to to kick off another new year uh, here on the podcast. Uh, another new year matches. We have some international listeners too. We appreciate that. Shout out to the UK and Australia. I would give a terrible impression, but I'm going to just spare you guys the terrible impression and move on. But yeah, thanks for all the downloads and listens and likes and all the followers on Twitter and everything really helps us because, again, we're just two marks doing it for fun. So right. we appreciate all the feedback, too, as well. So we hope to get some bonus episodes out um, sometime soon. Maybe we hit some milestones uh, for Twitter and stuff like that. We'd love to get some, some special bonus episodes out for you. Did you see if there was anybody from Finland listening? I could not find anybody from Finland listening. Oh, man. we got to sell those Helsinki Hellraiser t-shirts. <laughs> we really do. Yeah, i got a really huge do. stack of them in here. I know. Flying off the shelves. I, oh, wait. <laughs> oh. I'm wearing one every day just to promote it and just not selling yet. Oh, it's because it's not 1993 anymore. Oh, so yeah, that's right. Nobody wants a t shirt with a big wrestler's face on it like we used to when we were children. That's all they I want. Do what are you talking do about? I know. Yeah. We should well, just recreate those old Undertaker shirts with just his face all over them. Well, yeah, Mattel's brought back the Hasbro like version of the, of the wrestling figure, so yeah, we should. Yep. We should do that. Pro wrestling tees. <laughs> we're just kidding. We don't have pro wrestling tees. No, but we're working Dance. on it. Yeah. yeah. I got I got a whole page full of ideas in my, in my notebook. I haven't shown them to you yet, but I, they're there. Can't wait. Um, Can't wait. Well, yeah, Undertaker did have shirts. He was pretty popular here, but um, 1995, it's going to be kind of an interesting year. Uh, I say interesting in a very hopeful way because it's... Uh, yeah. Match quality-wise, it's going to be a bit of a drop-off. Uh, quality of opponent-wise, I think, for sure, it's going to be a bit yeah. of a drop-off. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit the past couple episodes about 1994 was kind of a year really focused on The Undertaker. He got the primary spot on all three pay-per-views he was in, uh, either in the world title match, main event, uh, big picture of it. And then 1995, really sharp decline as far as his position on the card. Um we're going to get to the match, but he's second on the card in this match. Um, and 1995 is going to be all about Big Daddy Cool Diesel. So yeah. 
I was kind of trying to think about, you know, the logic, the psychology of all this, and best I can come up with, and you can tell me what you think about this, I feel like maybe, and I don't know, I wasn't there, I don't have any insider information, but maybe this man, the creative team, didn't have as much confidence in Bret Hart being on top. He's a smaller guy. Maybe they he felt like he had to have a bigger attraction, a bigger guy on top. So he puts Undertaker in the main event slots for 1994. And then they make the decision to run with Diesel, have the big seven-foot-tall, the giant guy on top, and they really want to push him and make him the focus. So they put all their eggs in that basket and let him run on top for 1995, and that's why Undertaker kind of gets shifted more towards the undercard, uh, more to where he'd been kind of before that. I don't know. Do you, do you see that? Do you think there's any other reasons why Undertaker might be pushed back down the card for 95? No, that's a good analysis because um, he's – well, aren't they going to meet? He and Diesel are going to meet next year at WrestleMania, right? They'll meet so. at WrestleMania 12, yeah. Yeah, I wrestled in 1996, so yeah, maybe that's that's a good observation. I didn't think about that. I was kind of wondering myself, but as we'll get into this match, we hear that Vince hasn't given up on him. Like, there's a comment oh, yeah. he makes, a, a quote I have that um, about um, his greatness and stuff. So you know he hasn't given up on him, but that, that could be it. You know, they say, you know, Chris Jericho always says it's like, a, you know, you're an actor and you're playing a role, you know, and you can't always be the leading man. So, you know, right. uh, and, and plus at this point in January of 95, he's been a face, he being Undertaker, pronouns pal. He's been a face uh, <laughs> since February of '92, so going on yeah. three, almost three years now that he's been a face, and um, not that it's stale because everybody loves it, but you definitely hear um, don't hear as much of the crowd reaction to some of the certain things, and I wanted to point that out too as we get into these matches, um, and it could just be his opponents as well. <laughs> so, I think it's the opponents. Like, I think it's yeah. 1995 in general is just a it's a rough year for the it's WWF. A year. Yeah, it's probably. It really you know, 94 to 96 is probably the peak of my childhood fandom. So, you know, in 1995, I was as big of a WWF fan as anybody in the world. But as far as the general population, it's it's definitely a down year. And the crowds, the match quality, it's all, uh, you know, going back and look at it, it, it is... It's very cartoonish. Uh, this is mm-hmm. This is really the new generation right here. That era, Diesel is the the leader of the new generation and you know when you look at that and you're watching all of it uh it, it's very much uh it, it's a lot different than when we started in 90 91 92 uh, we're a lot more cartoonish characters yeah. a lot more colors you know you could even look at undertaker's purple gloves and yeah. just the lighting and you know i feel like even paul bearer with his bigger urn and paul bear is being more over the top than ever it really is yeah. <laughs> it's his really... makeup is out of control too <laughs> i went back and watched some early things and like he has no makeup on and now he's just like doused in it so <laughs> yeah you're right i mean you have this new what's it called the new generation the new yeah, generation because right, yeah. it is really you know you got doink and you got all these characters like that and uh men on a mission it's just mm-hmm. i mean it's all cartoons like you said um and that's part of why we do this podcast too is to talk about undertaker stays He's a, he's the cornerstone of all of this. He's through it, through all of it too. So um, it's a transitional time for sure in WWF um, at this point. And uh, yeah, it's a good observation. I guess it, you know Diesel was the new man and new new kid on the block. And uh, they were probably also big this time too. Ninety five? No, I don't know. They were new what? Kids on the block. Oh, they're kids <laughs> on the block. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, probably making a comeback yeah, tour. Yeah, it really or is a cartoon. And you know they're, you know, 
and Nitro hasn't hit the airwaves yet either, so they haven't right. had to really kick their game up yet. That's you true. Know, they're only, but you know they, you know Ric Flair's back in WCW. I think at this point Macho Man is gone. He left the NWA, so he's gone. You know, uh, I don't know if he's debuted in WCW or not yet, but I'm pretty sure he's gone. So you know, you got all these characters from the '80s that are gone, and you're kind of building this new, new generation, which is what they called it. So, BA Taker's there. He's a young guy still, but he's uh, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna have to wallow through some crap here in 1995. As are we, as you know, listeners. We'll try to make it entertaining though. <laughs> well, speaking of crap, here we are: Undertaker <laughs> versus Erwin Arshyster, continuing the feud with the Million Dollar Corporation. Um, this match, uh, I didn't really go back and look at too much, but I, I, like I said in the last episode. And it kind of already been building before Survivor Series. IRS cuts a promo in a graveyard. I think there was a few vignettes they filmed. Yeah. He repossesses a tombstone of John Doe, spelled D-O-U-G-H. Yeah. For the last four weeks, I've been conducting an investigation. As you remember, it all started in front of the funeral home. I knew that my instincts were correct when I accused the recently departed so-called poor soul of cheating on his taxes and i was right after doing a quick check of his september 15th quarterly taxes i found out that he tried to pass off his little girl's birthday dinner as a business expense so i enforced the penalty immediately although it may have seemed that my penalties were a little headstrong or maybe a little stiff continual infractions were dug up and as a result it was my duty to enforce the penalty to the fullest. <laughs> in order to repossess something, don't you have to be in possession of it? I think that's how first. that works. Isn't that what re means and to repossess? Yeah. Because in this match, we're going to repossess something that they never owned either. Right. Like, stop using repossess. Uh, anyway. That's one that's of Vince's my... buzzwords. He just, oh, yeah. You can tell. He loves it. It's like medical facility. Right. Nowadays. He has to Can't say, say hospital. Repossess. Medical facility. Repossess <laughs> is definitely one of his on his buzzword list. Um, but uh, IRS interfered in the Survivor Series main event, uh, but he didn't get the job done. He forgot to close the casket lid. So Undertaker me. was still victorious. Um, and at some point, IRS has acquired some druids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's purchased his own druids, um, which... Well, what, let's what? be honest. They're basically in a black KKK outfit, right? <laughs> They have black cloaks and hoods on. I'm like, this is offensive to me. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, how did they not see that? Well, this particular match is in Florida. Royal Rumble '95 is in mm-hmm, Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like, you can't have this KKK outfit there. So yeah, I don't know. It's just it's black. It's black. It's black. It's, it's okay. It's a black outfit, I guess. I guess it's different enough, but I was like, just doesn't age well to me. <laughs> well, what what is a druid? Tell me that. Yeah. What? The, I don't know. What? It, what is a druid supposed no, to be? I don't know. An acolyte, a follower. I'm not sure because I. What does it honest, have to do with I the Undertaker? Thought, I don't know. I don't know because later on they're going to start using creatures of the night, and they weren't creatures of the night. He didn't call his fans druids at this time. I don't know no. what. I don't know what a druid is. So, <laughs> but, I mean, I know it's a, a wrestler from backstage with a black yeah, exactly. outfit on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, he's representing the million dollar man, million dollar corporation. He's his 
his next phase of trying to take down the undertaker for reasons can't really be explained. But, um, yeah. So I mentioned in the last episode that IRS is probably my least favorite wrestler of all time. So let me make the case for that. It's so bold. And I felt like that even as a kid, I think this goes back to being a kid. I feel like IRS is the dumbest, most insulting, most stupid wrestling character out of all of them, I'll, you know, Duke the Dumpster, Drosy, Doink the Clown, Isaac Yankum. Isaac Yankum is pretty the down there. The Goon is, is down there real low. But IRS bugs me the most because he was around forever. He was around for, <laughs> I think, four and a half years. He's the wrestling tax man. Okay. As a kid... This is supposed to be he. Oh, he's a heel. He's the big bad guy because he calls people tax cheats. As an eight-year-old kid, why am I supposed to care about that? I don't. Taxes mean nothing to me. This is Vince McMahon having some grudge with the actual IRS, saying, "Ha ha ha! Make an evil character named IRS. What what kind of name should we give him? Irwin. That's perfect. Irwin R. Scheiss, the most on-the-nose name." Of all time. Like, that's such a fake, stupid name. Like, even beyond, okay, I know wrestling is fake and silly, but this is too much. That is just absurd. That's not his name. That can't be his name. He wrestles... So you're saying they jumped the shark here. Oh, man. So much. He he wrestles in suspenders and a tie for... Why? Why? Why doesn't he wrestle in wrestling gear? Why does he have to wrestle in that? That doesn't make any sense. And he's not like intimidating or tough looking. He's Mike Rotunda. He doesn't cut a good promo either. Every promo is just calling whatever city he's in a bunch of tax cheats. It's so what? Uh and I like okay. Some people say, well, you know, Mike Rotunda's you know, he's a real solid wrestler. Name me one good, memorable IRS match. There, there's not True. any. He, it's, it's, he's an average wrestler. And I'm not a wrestler, so you know you can get mad at me if you want for saying that. That's my opinion as a fan. I think he's an average performer. He's not terrible, but he does a lot of headlocks, a lot of chin lock, does an abdominal stretch in every single match, which is the mm-hmm. best thing he does. No one does that anymore. I was thinking that as we were watching this. The abdominal uh, yeah, stretch yeah. where he holds the ropes. I do it's like that. Scott Hall move. Scott yeah. Hall move. I love that move. I, I, yeah. I do like that. I appreciate that. But he wrestles the same match every time. And I felt like when I was a kid, I know it's not true, but it feels like he's on every single episode of every single show. <laughs> like every Raw, every Superstars. I always felt like, God, there's an... I, I want to see Hulk Hogan. I want to see Bret Hart. I feel like I had to watch an IRS match every single week. So I just have all this pent-up aggression and frustration and annoyance. And it feels good to get that off my chest after all these years that I just don't like IRS. And I know some people have affection for him. He's a memorable character. We remember him after all these years. But I can't stand the guy. I think he's the absolute... Worst of the worst when it comes to professional wrestling. He is the reason why people look at professional wrestling as a joke and make fun of it. So, do you have a rebuttal or any other opinions? Retweet all of that. I would retweet all of that. Okay. Like, 
no, I just think it's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> I don't I don't think I ever knew this about you, how much you hated him. Can't stand him. <laughs> you, you have been holding it inside for at least 21 years. I so. think so, yep. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, he, he really, you're right. I'll be honest, all cards on the table. I've never seen this match until I watched it for this. You know, because IRS blows, in my opinion. <laughs> I can either, I don't know, hey, as much as you do. Because I wasn't as avid as a right. fan when right. I was young, you know. He didn't uh, He didn't uh, <clears throat> invade my television every episode of, of Raw and Superstars like he did yours. So I absolutely understand. But yeah, you're right. When you pointed out that at this point it's kind of cartoon WWF, kid-friendly. Who cares about the IRS? Like, right. Yeah, you're right. You're 8 years old, 12 years old. Who cares? Like, that's not your audience. You're trying to. I know yeah. Vincent Mann thinks, oh, that's the worst thing ever. He he hates the right. government. He hates taxes. Like, I didn't care as a kid. Like, why? Whatever. <laughs> I still don't care that much. I don't like paying taxes, but that's not like my idea of the worst thing in the world. Right. It's just oh, oh man. Uh, we should uh, we should move it. on. Yeah, we should get going. <laughs> Well, let me take it. Let me take it from here for a minute. Let you Please. calm down. Please, yeah. Let me catch my breath. <laughs> take a swig of swig of water for the work man. Yeah. There. Um. So we're at the Sun Dome in Tampa, and I think that has a problem with this. You know, Florida's more of a like an NWA territory, WCW. So, because uh, I, I want to point out that later on, like when this match starts and when it gets going, this, the crowds is not not really as hot as you think. And I don't know if it's because yeah. this match is on second on the show, or just because everybody in the crowd feels as hatred toward IRS like you do, or what. I don't know, but. Um, it's definitely not the most poppy crowd, and that's throughout the whole show. But you mentioned when our Chuck Norris episode again. Thank you, Chuck Norris. Um, right. How WWF was bringing in a lot more celebrity involvement, probably just grasping at straws to get viewers. You know, because you know they have lost a lot of big stars and stuff. So this show opens up with Pamela Anderson, who looks man, she looks so young. <laughs> goodness gracious! Yeah. I was like, goodness, she's so young here. Um, but it was twenty-two years ago. Long so, time ago. Almost, yep. almost twenty-three years ago. Yeah. Um, she shows up in a limo, and like all the the B team is outside the greeter. <laughs> you got a uh, oh goodness, Doink and Dink, Doink Dink, yeah. You got Mabel, yep. Oscar, Mo, everybody. All those chumps are out Bob there. Bob Holly, I think it was out there. Yeah, yeah. Sparky Plug, uh, they're all out there. But anyway, that was just. I just want to point out that there's a lot of celebrity involvement from here, and then WrestleMania is going to have a lot more too. Yeah. A lot. Um, I don't even know where some of those celebrities come from. We'll get to that next time. <laughs> yeah. But um. Here we got Lawler and, and Vince on commentary. Is this the first time they've been on commentary together? Uh, no, we had SummerSlam. Oh, SummerSlam. That's right. Yeah. They did. Um, so I, I did go back and watch a promo from the Raw the previous week, six days before. And Taker gives us a little quick promo. He says, you're going to come face-to-face with the Reaper and pay the consequences. I don't know if the word pay is supposed to be a pun. Probably. Or yeah. Thing. But anyway, the Million Dollar Corporation is then on the King's Court. Again, King's Court. What a great segment. Right. So good, man. So good. Um. But it's got DiBiase, Tatanka, Evil Hill Tatanka. We saw him turn at Survivor Series, I think it was. Um, Bam Bam, King Kong Bundy, IRS, and these two druids, as we already mentioned. And uh, DiBiase cuts a promo. And again, but I want to say, as bad as IRS is, and I don't even like King Kong Bundy either. Tatanka, at this point, has jumped the shark for me, too, as a fan. I just don't, I see nothing in him as a heel. Um, the, the involvement of this, of this corporation kind of permeates the whole card um, mm-hmm. throughout the Royal Rumble and even as we enter into WrestleMania and then with Undertaker throughout the rest of the most of the year, honestly. So it is neat to see, even though this is kind of not like the 
not the varsity team, you know, of superstars. They still like they have an involvement um, with everything, and that's yeah. one thing I think is missing nowadays. Um, and we don't need to get into that, but it's really cool to see everybody playing a part and having an involvement with a stable, you know, with the tag teams, and then with the, the heavyweight, and then with you know just a grudge match against the Undertaker. Like it's really neat to see that. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, totally, totally. I miss that too. You don't really see that hardly ever anymore. Yeah, um, but he, he DBRC has a promo. He's gonna. IRS is going to put you six feet under. Erwin R. Shyster is going to send you back where you came from, six feet under. He's going to bury you, Undertaker, and then you will be gone. I will have rid you of the corporation and the WWF. You see, Undertaker, the only thing dead that I like are dead presidents, and I've invested a lot of them to see to it that you are no longer around. <laughs> What a matchup that's be. Pretty good line. But um, you know, they're 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 involved in the tag title match here, the Undertaker match and the Royal Rumble, you know, so it's just yep. a really cool concept. I'm, but anyway, back to the show. DiBiase and IRS come out, the DiBiase's music. Again, I like that they're using his music. Everybody that comes out uses his music. I love that about stables. They don't all have different music when they come out, so And but, he has great man, music got, too. Huh? He has great music too. Oh, he does. He he does. And I love um, that uh, little light, that little spotlight that looks like the dollar bill with his oh, face yeah, on it. Oh, yeah, so good. I love that. On the tr- yeah, it's so good, man. But uh, I was Halliburton. <laughs> so good, man. The big old Halliburton briefcase that all the you know everyone used to carry in the 80s and early yep. 90s. And uh, I think that's what the money in the banks are nowadays. They're like those Halliburton briefcases. They just have a horrible sticker on the side of them. But <laughs> I, <clears throat> no druids come out, though. They don't come out at first. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Of course, they're not out. But, um, and then, you know, IRS, your boy, gives a promo, and he says, this is all he says. He says, no one will rest in peace until you all pay your taxes. That's it. That's it? <laughs> that makes me want to do the Scott Hall finger wiggle at him. Like, mm, <laughs> who like, cares? Who cares? Like, how is that supposed to draw uh, like, It doesn't. No one's going to rest until you pay your taxes. That's what you just said. No one cared about this match because no one is intimidated by Erwin R. Scheister. I'm a nine-year-old kid in Tampa, Florida at the University of South Florida Fun Zone or whatever it's called. Florida Zone. What's... I forget. Oh, Sun Dome. Excuse yeah. me. Uh, my apologies. Uh, if I'm a nine-year-old kid, like, I'm like, Dad, what's that mean? Like, what is he talking about? I don't know what tax... I don't know what that is. So, I just wrote lame promo. Just lame. Um, but... Now, I do want to talk about something super exciting. Yeah, yeah this was great. You want to take it. You take it and say it. Cause... Well, we got a callback to something from one of our... I think it was our first episode. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you always loved the Monster Truck Gravedigger, one that everybody huh. remembers, a classic Hall of Famer. I don't know if there's a Monster Truck Hall of Fame, but I'm sure Gravedigger is in it or will be in it. His first ballot. Absolutely. Well, we said something like, well, I wonder if Undertaker and Gravedigger ever had a crossover why didn't they ever have a crossover that would have made a ton of sense well on commentary they mention as the undertaker is coming out that apparently the night before the royal rumble that the undertaker appeared at a monster truck rally with the gravedigger truck which his favorite monster truck i popped huge for i got so excited I, i tried to find footage of it i looked all over the place i couldn't find anything man i couldn't find anything i looked i started researching as there's some monster truck association i started researching everything i found something from like the like the month afterward i could not find i could not find that night 
on YouTube anywhere or any website anywhere, but I really wanted to find it. Um, but yeah, apparently Undertaker was there with his favorite monster truck and mine, Gravedigger. Um, again, so, you know, shame on us for not knowing. There wasn't a must opportunity. They took, they capitalized on it. But it just goes to show you, man, like, again, as in, as uh, this is January 95, so I'm nine years old here, like, that that would make me so excited to see Undertaker. Like, oh, yeah. see him and Gravedigger together, like, that's just, man. Well, they awesome. said there were 40,000 people there at this monster yeah. truck rally, so yeah. a lot of people were excited. And then, uh, exactly. the king says... To Vince, I heard you spent your honeymoon at a monster truck rally. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> King was so much better back then. I still love oh. King. He's still one of my top ten wrestlers of all time, probably. But uh, oh, he was he was really great in nineteen in the nineties. Man, he was on fire. He's he's um he's not Heenan, but he's yeah. the best uh, next next best to Heenan at this point. You know, yeah, definitely. But, like. like anybody closer to that at this in 1995 you know he really does have some one learned and this is before he's yelling puppies throughout the attitude era and stuff when he can still be uh, a heel and not a caricature of himself you know so but yeah man super awesome callback to episode one with Gravedigger and Undertaker so again mad props to Vincent Mann for uh, letting Undertaker visit that because I I wanted to see a video and I wanted to see if he was in character I mean I'm sure he was I want to see that so if anyone listening was there? Yes, <laughs> or can find that if you were at Tampa, Florida on January twenty first, nineteen ninety five. Please let us know. I want to see a picture of this man. We will send you a T shirt super- <laughs> if you can bring up some footage of that. Yeah. Tell you what kind of T shirt? We'll just send you a. T-shirt. Yeah, we'll send you a T shirt. <laughs> It'll be good. We promise. Well, yeah, but so- yes, yeah, so that's really cool. So anybody's been following along with us from episode one, uh, there's there's your little. Easter egg. Little Easter egg. Yes. Um, and then, like, so Undertaker comes out. Paul Bearer, like, they get in the ring. And this was weird, man. Paul Bearer just starts, like, wailing. I don't know if you noticed this. And then I think he was yeah. trying to get the crowd to chant Irwin, but he's just, like, it just sounded like he was crying there for a minute. <laughs> and then the commentary team just drops out for, like, 30 seconds. Man, there's just, like, Nothing happened in the ring, and then the commentary team is silent. They don't say anything at the very beginning before anything happens. It was really weird. I don't. There's just dead air, and nothing's happening before the match starts. I don't know what that was about. Uh, but then Irwin sneak attacks Undertaker with this awful looking drop kick to start oh, the match. Oh wow! Or yeah, I mean my five year old son could get one better than that. It was <laughs> so like, it was so bad, and that's not a. Again, Mike Rotunda is supposed to be a good worker, and we're not wrestlers, but it, it really did look poor. Like, that was bad. So And Undertaker no-sold it, so... <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So, but yeah, they do this... They do, like, two minutes of stalling before... And, yeah, that no-sold... Um, and he turns... And he's like... IRS is like, you know, yay, woohoo! And he turns around and sees that Undertaker's behind him, and he bails out. And, uh... Vin- and says that IRS has the technical skills to rival Bret Hart. He did. Did you catch on commentary? I did. He said, he's such a good worker. He's got the technical skills to rival Bret Hart. I was and absurd. I W-O-W. Wow. I was just like, holy cow. Like, you've got to be kidding me. He doesn't hold a candle for Bret Hart, man. I just, or if he does, if he does, IRS was not the venue for him to display it, you know? Right. You know, like you know, like Eugene Nick Den- Nick Densmore was a phenomenal worker, but as Eugene, 
he couldn't display that to us, you know. So maybe sure. let's give let's give Rotunda the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe he really was good, but IRS was not his venue to show us uh, yeah. how good he was. But, but yeah, um, then there's lots of ducking and uh, powdering out to the outside and. I, I did write that with all this ducking and, and he takes a powder to the outside and everything, like, he gets really good heat from the crowd. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, um, so even though nine-year-old kids don't know what taxes are, they know to boo the bad guy. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> they understand that part. Uh, yeah. The next cool thing that happens was Undertaker grabbed uh, IRS by the tie and just, like, tossed it, does, like, a hip toss by grabbing him by the tie. I did, that was cool looking. I did enjoy that, which... Of course, I mean, if you're wrestling a guy with a tie, it's just fair game. You're asking for that. Yeah. Did you notice what happened right before that with Paul Bear? Uh, which I, I didn't write that. He's staring at his flip flash. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> his so new favorite thing. Cameraman's right there. Kevin Dunn calls the you know camera shot right there. It's so good. But yeah, I, li- I like that you know tie toss because um yeah you're right man it's fair game you got a tie on I'm gonna use it against you you know. <clears throat> That's what happens. It was good. And then he goes for old school after that, and uh, DiBiase comes up on the apron for distraction. And um, after that, and uh, Taker grabs him, and the crowd cheers, you know, because Undertaker's going to get his hands on DiBiase. But then IRS comes you know, from behind and tries to run into him. Taker moves out of the way, and he almost collides with DiBiase. And the crowd really wants him to do it, you know. So that was a cool little like uh, spot, you know. The crowd does want him to, to collide. So did you know, like when they. When IRS got tossed out right after that, there's these two guys in the front row and they stand up and high five each other. Did you hear what what Lawler said? No, what did he say? He goes, "Look at those idiots high fiving down there." He said that, which is what I said to myself. Like as I'm watching it and as I'm doing it, it was like Jerry Lawler was narrating my life because he said that these idiots in the front row high five. I mean, these dudes are some Florida Gator fans, man. Oh yeah, they are just in these their are shorts and their grown their, men uh, that are like, like high five body glove. Body glove, like, uh, or probably, uh, I don't know, guest jeans, like a uh, tank top or something. They're just like, half like, yeah, man. Like, it's so good. It's great. But you know what? When we go to wrestling shows, we get into it too. So, you know, <laughs> I don't wear that. But yeah, it's just cool that uh, Lawler was like, you're the idiot's front row high fiving. It, like, it was funny. Yeah. So then there's some dissension amongst the ranks here. You know, IRS and DBRC getting in each other's face a little bit. And, uh, DiBiase runs away and brings out the two guys in the uh, black outfits. The druids, yes. The druids. I, I wrote down, this is so cheesy, but, you know, in a way, it almost kind of helps add to the mystique of The Undertaker because yeah. it feels like every match, someone's always trying to have to get help to beat him. That's whether true. it's Yokozuna having to get all these extra people, um, uh, in, uh, Kamala had his two managers. Giant Gonzalez had his managers. Like no one can beat the Undertaker on their own. So IRS having to go get more help to beat the Undertaker. Undertaker is still protected. He's still made to look sure. really, really strong. Uh, even if sure. the guys IRS has to go get her a bunch of goofs that you know they they can't keep their masks on. Man, like they they keep having to adjust their hoods and and put them back the over one, their eyes. They, they can't the keep them on. At one point, one of the guys, the taller one, his nose is sticking through the eye hole. <laughs> I'm just dying laughing, like, holy cow, that's so bad. Uh, but, like, you can, like, as they start getting into it, you can see that just, they have, like, their wrestling trunks and boots on underneath. Yeah. They're not even, like, in, like, jeans and no black no. shirt. They're just, like, 
two guys from backstage and just threw these cloaks on. We need to ask like uh, Bruce Pritchard or somebody who the Druids were yeah. for that show. Even if he makes something up, it'll be fine. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're out, and Undertaker goes for old school again, which um, he's done that multiple times in these matches. He goes for it multiple times. And it um, always backfires the second, the second time, time he does it. never works, yeah. Because so the, the Druid here shakes the ropes, and he gets thrown off the turnbuckle. Undertaker does. So now they're Where's both down. The... Oh, well, the ref was not looking this time. I was thinking, right, right, like, right, right. how is this not a disqualification? But they zoomed out, and the ref was being distracted by yeah. DiBiase. Yeah, because, he was, so. like, Harvey Whippleman did that in one match, like, right in front of the ref, and it was like, okay. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of refs, we can get a good a good referee next in the next match we had. We, oh, yeah, we, yeah. They're both down, and Taker doesn't sit up. And the crowd, I wrote the crowd pops, but it's not as loud as usual. And again, I don't no. know if it's just like a diminishing returns thing at this point. We've seen it for the last four and a half years, or if it's just you know he's with this opponent, they don't really care. But he got, he gets closed under the top rope by IRS, lands on his feet, and he immediately goes and attacks the Druids, which I thought was a cool spot. He yeah. always lands on his feet, you know. But just he just kind of no sells it and starts going after him. Druids. Yeah, it's great. Um, and IRS, it's an axe handle off the apron, which you know that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, axe handle off the apron, so and then he throws his head into the stairs. Um, then the druids attack from behind the ref's back and throw Taker back in the ring. And this is where he does IRS does the abdominal stretch with the ropes for assistance, which again, I say it's a Scott Hall move. He did it. I mean, a diamond stud. He did it. His razor mode. Yeah. He did it. Scott Hall. I love when Scott Hall does that. It's so it's such a good heel move. Too. It's a good heel move. I was I wrote down. I think Miz should steal that. I, I could see him. Oh yeah, doing that. Someone needs to bring it back. Uh, Big E does the Donald stretch, but yeah. he banks people. But like Miz should do it. And a grab heel needs to do it. Yeah. Grab, yeah. Dolph Ziggler could do it. I could see him. Oh yeah, pulling that off. So good, man. I love that's just a simple move, and it draws a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. It's great. So at this point, commentary starts talking about is there, is there ice or formaldehyde in Undertaker's veins, and I think Vince says it's up for debate. I'm like, who? And then, but then Lawler says, I wrote this. He wrote one of the meanest things anyone in on human history has ever said <laughs> to anyone. As opposed to the obese Paul Bear, I heard his blood type is ragu. Ragu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. You can't say that. To That's one of the funniest things anyone has ever said. So good. It's so good. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> I was like, what a mean guy. Yeah, <laughs> be a star, King. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't fly now. No. You have to go online on Twitter and apologize. But, you know, That's Paul Bear, he probably gave him that line. Like, he, oh, he was totally yeah. fine with that. He probably thought that was hilarious. Oh, yeah. But, oh, absolutely. I was just like, man, he said. That obese Paul Bear. Like, what did he ever do to Lawler? He's so mean to him. I don't know how Vince kept a straight face during any of this stuff. I have no idea. As you can hear, I'm laughing the whole time. Exactly. uh, I would, yeah, I would be a horrible commentator. I just laugh at all the funny things they say. (laughs) (laughs) I like Jerry Seinfeld. He laughed at all his scenes. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. Or Vince just mutes himself. Yeah, the press probably would actually happen. Kicks Lawler underneath the table. Who knows, man? (laughs) Well, Taker, like, get, he gets a hip toss here, misses the elbow drop, sits up. IRS hits, I don't know if it's his finisher now. It used to be his finisher. He hits, a, like, a jumping clothesline. It used to be called the write-off, but they didn't. They don't call it that in the match. But that used to be his finisher um, and doesn't pin off of it. Instead, he starts going for elbows instead and yeah. misses one. Or he goes for a splash and he misses one. 
and then they do a uh, little double drop down. Oh, excuse oh, me. Yeah. It looks so bad, too. The old, you know, run the ropes, double collision in the ring. I mean, I don't know what, something was off there. I don't know. It was. Like, it looks it, so it, bad. It was Again, ugly. Taker is really crisp in the ring, and apparently Rotunda is, too, but they just, they didn't have chemistry here, and no. as, we, as we head into the finish here, too, it just, it gets pretty sloppy from here on out. Um, but now there's a druid in the ring, and he lays IRS on top of Undertaker as they do the double collision. Yeah. And, and Taker kicks out, and um, there's another druid on the apron. He's being choked by um, Undertaker at this point, and uh, he gets hit by IRS by mistake, and Undertaker tapes, takes uh, IRS up for a tombstone, and the druids are back on the apron. And they just keep hopping up and down the apron, and yeah. this is the point where you can see their trunks and their like boots and the dude's nose hole, or the nose is through the eye hole. <laughs> uh, so he's got IRS up. He kicks both the druids like in the gut. While he's um, holding IRS. That's yeah, impressive, yeah, yeah. man. It is. Um, the IRS reverses it, and he closes on Undertaker. At this point, the crowd's coming live, though. They're stomping on the bleachers now. There's bleachers here at yep. the uh, stadium here, and they're stomping on them, which always is a cool effect, you know. Um, I think Paul Bear was on the outside, like, trying to get him into it, too. Yeah, a good yeah, manager. yeah, he is. He doesn't have to earn, you know. Right. Or no. Wait. Yeah. He did he have, have to. Yeah. He doesn't have to earn. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. He doesn't earn. I'm getting spoiler alert. So, um, crowd's <laughs> stomping, and then Taker does a, a – he sits up, and then he just does a choke slam. Does like the hands folded over the chest. That was it. And he wins. Yep. And no then he tombstone. Just, like, kicks the IRS and rolls him out of the ring. And I just wrote that ending looked a little botched. Like I wasn't sure what went wrong. Maybe it wasn't botched, but it just it kind of came out of nowhere, which um, is cool sometimes. But like IRS was, he was just like, I don't know, he was, he wasn't really down, you know, coming from underneath. Right. Him. Undertaker just hits a random choke slam and and he wins. Um, again, I was glad it was over because it's twelve minutes and twenty one seconds. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a long but, one for these ones that we've been doing. Yeah, again, the first, like, literally the first two minutes, two and a half minutes are this stalling. Yeah, and they don't going touch. In and out of the ranks. So, you know, shave that off, and this match would have been nine minutes probably. But, um, but you know, it just it didn't flow at the end. Again, not the greatest. 1995 is not the greatest in-ring year of Undertaker's career, but um, it's not his fault. It's what he's given <laughs> to work with, so... Um, but and then, but this, this is the part I wanted to talk about. Vince McMahon on the commentary says another victory for the most phenomenal superstar of all time. Oh wow! Of all time. Of yeah. all time. He's, I went back and wanted to, to write it down because I wanted to hear. He says another victory for the most phenomenal superstar of all time. He is the phenom, um, so he's the most phenomenal, phenomenal one. <laughs> yeah, the pre pre AJ Styles phenomenal. Exactly. One, so. Um, but you know, again, that just shows even though Undertaker's slipping down the card, he's feuding with. Ted DiBiase and these goons, um, Vince still loves him, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, still putting him in a good position, you know, here to go on. And um, <clears throat> this point afterward, just a lot of shenanigans after the match. Yeah, um, the druids attack him in the darkness. Yeah. Uh, well, the lights go off for Undertaker, and the druids jump in and attack him, and the lights stay off for a while. Then the bell starts ringing again, which they never do that anymore. When someone's yeah, like, beating somebody up afterward, they don't ring the bell to signal that the match is over anymore. I missed yeah. that. Um, and then uh, here comes Paul Bear. I mean, excuse me. Here comes Ted DiBassi's next plan to foil The Undertaker, uh, mm-hmm. lumbering down the aisle, <laughs> the walking condominium King Kong Bundy. Uh, former WrestleMania headliner, right? WrestleMania 2? Yeah, yeah. You know, this is headed into the next feud. 
we'll talk about on episode uh, 15. But, um, you know, he is, even though it's King Kong Bundy, he's kind of not been doing much. He still is a WrestleMania, former WrestleMania headliner, you know, a rest, headline WrestleMania against um, against Hulk Hogan. So Yeah, he you know, had just biggest... come back at Survivor Series after, yeah. I don't know, like seven years or something like that from being gone. So they're trying to repackage him and push him. They do a stare down in the middle of the ring and the crowd goes mild. Man, yep. Like they <laughs> don't do. care. <laughs> and this is where Iris knocks Paul Bear down and takes slash repossesses the urn again. You don't, you can't repossess something you never possess. So anyway, yep. that's just the old tax, you know, pun. You got to get in there. And then, uh, Bundy's beating up Taker inside the ring and Bear, Paul Bear is orchestrating the crowd like a, like a pro outside. I mean, he looks like a maestro out there. He is just like swinging his hands around and getting the crowd to yes. chant and cheer and they're cheering and stomping on the, uh, bleachers to get Taker to rise. And, um, at this point, Bundy and company have bailed and Undertaker staggered. Well, he beats him up for, he yeah, crosses yeah. him in the corner, hits his, the avalanche, his big okay, running yeah. splash into yeah. the corner and Taker's out and yeah, Taker, I get they're saying that he doesn't have the urn anymore, so he doesn't have the right. power to to heal back up. So he's just like stumbling and falling down as he's walking back up the aisle. Which again, commitment to the character right there. He's not yeah. letting that part of the story slide, you know, because he could have just walked up the aisle, but like he still is letting this character. You know, he doesn't let it down, man. Like until he walks through the no. uh, grill position. Well, as far as we know, he might he might keep it up backstage. He might. Know? That the urn is a big part of his mythology, and he's selling you know how much that has an effect on him not to have that there. But yeah, and um, on the next episode uh, or at his next match, kind of see uh, Bundy doesn't quite do the same for the Undertaker, uh, but we'll talk about that on the next episode. So yeah, a uh, kind of a symbolic start to 1995, I guess in a way, because <laughs> it's gonna be uh, not. Not the prettiest match, and it's not going to be the prettiest year. But uh, would where would you rank this in the level of the five years that we've covered so far? Um, this is definitely above Gonzalez, and probably one of the Kamala matches. I do like the casket match with Kamala. Yeah. Um, just because of the the nostalgia of it, but um, you know, it's definitely bottom bottom rung you know it's not it's no jake snake it's no hulk hogan it's none of those but you know it's not great but again undertaker doesn't let that affect his performance you know? right uh, or the character you know the character is still strong and he, he again he he lives that character and paul bear does his job too like he's supposed to so what about you what would you say yeah i mean same thing you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not ever excited to go back and watch irs so <laughs> watch at your own risk that's what I would say for anybody out there um, but we do appreciate you watching and following along you can catch up on everything we've got going on on Twitter Facebook at Talking Taker on all those platforms uh, we are available to download on iTunes Stitcher Google Play YouTube we would love to connect with you we'd love for you to subscribe leave a comment give us a rating let us know how you feel about all that stuff we do appreciate that we read them all uh, I wanted to read real quick a text that I got from a friend of the show Billy the Q on Twitter uh, he is he, he had a comment about our 
Royal Rumble and uh, SummerSlam. It was about SummerSlam 94, I guess. He uh, texted me the other day. He said, it seems like the Taker versus Faker storyline was taking points from the death of Superman, the reign of the Superman, and the return of the Superman. With the death being the 1994 Rumble, the reign is the sightings and the debut of the Undertaker, and finally the return is the match at SummerSlam 94. I can only imagine some writer was reading that Superman story arc and pitched it to Vince. So I thought that was um, interesting analysis uh, and great points that we didn't pick up on on our episodes. Yeah, and we're ashamed of ourselves. I'm a huge DC Comics fan, so yeah, but that is very true. That's right around the same time as that storyline, so... Very cool. You know, even if it, uh, even if no one was reading that, just coincidence. Really cool, though. Yeah. Thanks, Billy. It totally that fits. Out too. That was good. Uh, so yeah. sh- shout out to Billy. Uh, shout out to my buddy uh, Robert. Uh, I know he listens. He he lets me know about it every Sunday morning at church, and uh, appreciates uh, our episodes. And I, we appreciate him listening. We appreciate everybody out there listening. It's it's awesome. It's fun. We're having fun just doing it. So. It's cool that anybody at all is, is listening to us. So we do appreciate it. And uh, WrestleMania 11 next time. So watch it if you want to follow along with us. Yes, absolutely. And if you were there at Sundome on the 2nd, please let us know. If you were at the Monster Truck Rally on January 21st, by all means, please let us know. And uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. First I'll tell the rest of these tax cheats, and then I'll tell you. No one, and I mean no one, will rest in peace until you've paid all your taxes.